Hello, 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 Fort Worth. What is up? Welcome to another episode of the Fort Worth Freedom a Review. We are a show about local politics that aims to get more people engaged in local issues. Thank you so much for joining us and for listening and for getting engaged in local issues with us. My name is Anthony Sosa. I'm here today with Thomas Moore to discuss the results of the recent election and the recent protests and a couple of other quick hits while we're at it. All of the resources used will be provided below in the show notes, as always. This podcast, sorry for the smack. Sorry about that. This podcast, I'm drink, drinking some coffee here. So just sorry, couldn't help it. Sorry. This podcast is made possible by the Justice Reform League, a Fort Worth based nonprofit. You can sign up for our newsletter and get updates on Fort Worth political news and deep dives into local issues at our website, justicereformleague.net. And please feel free to contact us if you have any episode ideas or additional stories that you would like us to cover, any info on any candidates or any, really anything. If you just want to hit us up, we'd love to hear from you. You can uh, contact us on Twitter at FW Review. Um, you can hit us up on Instagram at Fort Worth Freedom Review. And you can send us an email at our Gmail, fwfreedomreview at gmail.com. Right. Sweet. Hey, what's up, guys? Long time no see. It's me and Tommy here. Tommy, is it okay if I call you Tommy? Tommy, I like to yes, call you Tommy. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> I always want to call you Tommy Boy, but I don't know if that's if like you, you like, can, like that. You at, have at earned all. you have earned the 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 right to call me. Hang on, let me let me let me let me check with my uh my best friend over here. Hey Nick, Sosa's gonna call me Tommy Boy. I'm taking a silence as a, as a yes. You're allowed okay. to call me that. Yay. Thank you. Love you, buddy. So let's uh, let's get into the um, the election. From We're a little late on this episode. We should have probably done this last Sunday. We had the results last right. Sunday. Um, but oh, well, better late than never. So essentially, on as always in the show notes, the, the links for these things are provided below. We have the counties like straight numbers that you can click on if you want to look at it for each proposition. Long story short, all the propositions passed except for three, and we had a lot. It was A through R, um, and the two state propositions passed as well, so that's good. Uh, the ones that didn't were Proposition F, which is the big one. Uh, and I guess this, we can go ahead and talk about that. It's the mayor and city council increasing uh, the pay. So that is, I was disappointed to see that. What did you think about that, Thomas? That is disappointing because I know, here's the thing. When, when I first started getting into this, I was very much like, they don't need to be voting to give themselves pay raises. And then the more I thought about it, the more I realized that they do need to do this. Because here's the mm -hmm. thing. If, if we, they're not making enough to provide for themselves, like just with that job, then that means the only people who could feasibly do that job are the people who have uh, disposable income of some kind. Yeah, independently which, wealthy. Right, which is going to exclude a lot of probably better candidates who just were more of a here for the people, not for myself type deal. Yep. In other words, you're going to get a lot more, uh, a lot more Betsy Price-esque people 
than not. Yeah. That's I mean, the one thing she pushed for that I actually did agree with. I, I At first I didn't, but then when someone explained it to me, I was like, wow, that's actually. Yeah. It's did a she cl- decide not to be Satan today? What? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, this is one of the things that Maddie Parker, like, and the council, like, they all kind of are on the same page on this. And it's inherently classist. You know, you're only letting one class of people, those who have, who are independently wealthy or can afford to take a couple of years off work or something, um, yeah. you know, to do this. And that's, that's hard. And so other cities have been covering this. There's a really good article that the Fort Worth report kind of did on this. That's down below where they just kind of talk about, you know, comparing it to other cities and other municipalities that are also growing and who have different government setups or city council setups that you know, kind of ha- how they have sort of dealt with those things. Um, and there's there's kind of different ways you can go about it. You can tie what they were trying to do and what I think is a good idea, but I wish would have happened is they were tying the pay to a different metric. And that is the metric of the average of the heads of the city departments for the mayor and the average of the assistant heads of the city departments for the city council. Um, and so as those department heads, you know, increase in pay, then the equivalently or equally the pay raise of the mayor and or the city council like would increase or decrease as well. Uh, there's other things you can tie it to. You can tie it to, you know, things like uh, like average pay uh, of the of the employees of the city and then like, multi- you know, multiply that by three or five or something. Um, there's different ways you can go about doing it. But unfortunately, we're not doing any of that, and we're still getting a pretty dismal uh, sort of paycheck for for these roles. But yeah, I, I agree. It's hard. It's hard to pitch it. It's really hard to kind of convince people that politicians need more money. But especially, especially at this local level, like it's like if you're going to get any normal or regular people in there, um, they're going to yeah. need to 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 make a living off of this. And the thing I've is, ta- sorry, go ahead. I've talked with some of the people on the city council. I think it was, oh God, I think it's like one of the two people that are still on there since the uh, the big changing of the guard. What is it? What's his last name? Um, I want to say is this which district, district file? Not Carrie Moons. Uh, oh man. Uh, so we just got Blaylock in four. We've got, who's my guy? My guy is uh, Crane, Michael Crane. Now, no. um, we've got uh, Dr. Jared Williams. We've got oh. uh, Chris Nettles. We've got District 9 is, is uh, what's her face? Elizabeth Beck. Yeah. Uh, Bivens? Is Bivens still on there? Bivens is still on there. There's another guy, uh, Hispanic dude. Um, oh. Uh, uh, Carlos? No. Yes. Carlos. Dang. Flores, right? Yeah, I think that's right. I feel really dumb. Yeah. I should totally know this. We've talked about well, it a lot. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's been a minute since I looked at this. Uh, you know, we're getting back into the swing of it. It's okay. We're just getting out <laughs> the ring rush. Um, no, I talked to him and this dude, I think he's like an engineer or something. He put in like ten to fifteen grand into his own campaign, which I'm not knocking the dude. He actually ended oh, up you can, uh, yeah. If you can. Yeah. He actually ended up having well, not for this. I can knock him for a bunch of other stuff, but he actually ended up having one of the most expensive elections in, I think, the most in Fort Worth history. Hmm. He put 15 grand of his own money in there. Now, think about that. Yeah. In order to win, you've got candidates who can put away 15 grand into their own campaign. I mean, yeah, it probably wasn't easy for him, but 
you got people in Fort Worth who probably aren't even making 15. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, certainly. And that was one of the things, I guess we can kind of talk about the district four election while we're talking about this, because it kind of ties in. Um, yeah. So we, you know, we had the, because of Carrie Moon not coming back, uh, we had an election for that seat. And there was a kind of a close race between Alan Blaylock, the conservative, and uh, Tara Williams, the progressive. We actually had a progressive running, another one. So that was, I was hopeful for her. She got some pretty decent coverage. Um, but still, I just think, and even though she's kind of starting to get a name recognition because she's run for multiple offices in the past couple of years, uh, didn't quite make it. She got like 30 something percent. The turnout for the District 4 turnout was pretty low. Uh, Alan Blaylock got 2,656 votes and Tara got 1,556. And there was like three other candidates. They all kind of split up. You know, they got a couple hundred or something. It wasn't very many votes on for them. So that's good. So we have the conservative having that seat. But one thing to consider is this seat is only going to be held for one year because we have the redistricting coming. And so we're getting two more districts and district four is going to kind of be divided up. Uh, and so part of that district is going to be district 10. And so apparently where Alan Blaylock lives is in the part that's going to become district 10. So if he wants to run again, he's going to have to run for district 10, not for district four. So kind of a temporary sort of setup going on here as far as uh, his seat. Um, but that'll be kind of interesting to see when we have the next election cycle for the city council. Now, I mean, like, here's my thing, like for, uh, for progressives, that's actually a really good percentage. Like 30% does yeah. not happen when you're running independent, when you're not one of the boys. I agree. You know, that you're usually at like 3%, you know? So that's actually really huge. Like I told her, what I'm going to tell you now is like, don't let the, I hope this is not her last election. Cause if she runs again, she'll probably get 45, Yeah. you know, 50. And then she runs again, she'll probably win it. I mean, almost always you never win your first election. Like that's pretty much no. like a rule. You got to do it a few times if you want to, you know, to get to the point where you start winning. There's um, this one U.S. Uh, congressman. I think he's retired now. Forget what his name was, but he had like this political rival, and like the reason I say that is his whole career. I think multiple offices too. Him and this other guy would just run against each other, <laughs> and then take terms being. So he'd win like he'd win his seat in Congress, and then two years later the other guy would win, and then he'd win it back. And then the other guy would win. Uh, interesting. That's good. That's a healthy little competition. Yeah. You know, at least you got people voting and, and the electorate yeah. engaged at that point. I think that's that's that sounds that sounds healthy. But he was he was saying that like when you get into this, like you got to have a thick skin. It's like because you're you're going to lose on election. It's not if it's a you're going to like you get a few people who just you know get the get the the rocket ship strapped to his boots and get in there. Like, I, I don't think Barack Obama, anyone expected him to win when he first announced, you know, from the Senate when he was still in the Senate. Like, I didn't yeah. realize this. That man never finished his his first Senate term. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's yeah, insane it's to me. So I guess one thing that we should mention before we kind of move on from this is like the th all the things that did pass. So if we don't remember, I know you can go back and listen to the previous episode, but like essentially it was a bunch of bond money to do a bunch of infrastructure work. Uh, and so all of those things happened. What I thought was kind of interesting is like of all of them, they all kind of had similar numbers, you know, like it was a similar. So let me let me pull my sheet out real quick. So on average, we had about between 27,000 and 28,000 votes, like around, you know, give or take, depending on the proposition. It's like people just pick chosen pick propositions. And if they didn't understand the wording of it or didn't care about it, they would just skip it. 
So we had some propositions that had like way more voting than others. The contentious ones were obviously the ones that didn't pass. So like the mayor and the city council pay that one. It was 52% against to 47% for, and we had 28,002 who voted for that proposition. The other two that didn't make it were the post-termination hearings, Proposition H, uh, which essentially, you know, was trying to take away the right to if you're fired from the city, you don't, and you want to ask for a hearing. I and I still couldn't understand or never never got a conclusion on like what the point of this hearing is. Is it like for reinstatement or what? Um, but you're entitled to that hearing. You're still entitled to that hearing. They were trying to get rid of that, but you yeah. are still entitled to that. And then uh, do you I think know about I think that? it is to see if you can get your job back. It's like if you were unionized, you'd have a similar thing in a private capacity. Mm. This is just that in a public capacity. Okay. Interesting. The only other one that, that didn't pass was uh, eliminating the need for public service corporations to file annually with the city. You had to file already with the state, so it's kind of like a redundancy of filing. They were trying to like get rid of that, but it didn't pass. I think the wording on that one was really confusing, so a lot of people were just like, no. It, and it was a strong against, like 72%. That's a big, that yeah, that's a big problem I've noticed with these ballots. And I think I've talked with you about this on previous elections, but like the wording on there, it's almost like it was written by people who didn't want it to pass or did want it to pass. Yeah. And they're going to write where like either the de description's vague and misleading to get you to vote for it, or it's very com confusing and it, it it's made to deter you from voting. Yeah, like, I think that's a really big problem we're having is because like not only do people not know who the candidates are, which is also a problem. Yep, they don't know what these propositions do. So even if you do go to vote, it's like I don't know what I'm voting for. Exactly. And so that's that's you know that's where we try to come in as a podcast, but obviously not everybody listens to a podcast. We have a we have a you know not a wide net we're able to cast as a volunteer organization. So doing the best we can. Um, sure. but you know, that's the other things that we can be positive about, um, is that the roads in the Northern part of the town or, or the city rather up there by, you know, Alliance and even further, those are getting the, the money and the funding that they need to start updating the infrastructure up there to keep up the pace with the population growth that's been going on up there. We're also going to be getting two new fire stations, uh, and they are consolidating those two smaller police stations, uh, into a new facility, a single police station. That was the one that got the most fours, like by far. Like everybody voted yes on that one. Essentially, let me pull it up. Was that? I don't please know tell what. me one of those is that uh, that police station next to uh, what bookstore is it? But it's like all they did was they bought like shops, like a sweet space that would normally go for like a store or something. Yeah. And they're like, "This is the new police station." I'm like, "Listen, I'm not <laughs> for militarizing the police. I'm not for giving them any more money than necessary." But that's embarrassing, bro. Yeah, I mean, and that's and I think that's it's also a financial thing too, where they're paying rent on these facilities because they're not owned by the city, and so mm -hmm. that's a that's a budgetary thing where it's like, okay, we could just not be kind of losing this money and be having it you know run by the city, pay rent to itself sort of thing. Right. Uh, so I get it. I get it. I you know I, I'm I'm not against this sort of funding. Um, but another thing is the land conservation. I thought that was really really cool. Um, and something they probably should have done a long time ago. Like uh, similar to those of you who are familiar with Teddy Roosevelt and the National Park Service that we have, right? We've got your Yellowstones, you got your Big Bends, we got these these parks. All that land was set aside 
over a hundred years ago by by Teddy Roosevelt because he was like, look, if we don't set aside some lands and conserve them, he was a big conservationist. Uh, they're going to be developed. They're going to be mined and drilled, and they're going to be you know logged. They're all going to be. They're not going to be there in the future for us to enjoy. So uh, that. We kind of have has conservation has kind of gone to the wayside that we're not doing a lot of it. Like even the Trump administration, like opened up, you know, privatized a lot of these national lands, opened them up to to development. So it was really cool just to see at the city level, like Fort Worth is taking parts of the outskirts of Fort Worth and saying, okay, we're going to preserve this for future parkland or or just nothing, you know, just leave it undeveloped, which I think is good and forward thinking. So that's that's a positive thing that that passed. So I don't know anything else, Thomas, on the on the props that you care to care to think about, mention, comment. Um, you know, I'm glad the fire the the fire stations got what they needed. Um, we got funding for library for the libraries yeah. coming in, so hopefully, you know, we can read. Um, I hope that you know when when they do get in those libraries that none of the books are missing because you know we wouldn't want to, uh, you know. Yeah radicalize your kids or brainwash them into being liberals i love it because a lot of the books that made those lists uh became bestsellers if they weren't already like are their sales increased because like you know that's kind of always how it goes right anytime you go back to tipper gore trying to censor you know rock and roll and rap records and like it just made those things sell more and more right like that's always how it goes somewhere out there You've got like all these progressive a- activists kissing people on someone's lips like they're Nikki Six, going, "I love them." <laughs> Sales are going through the loop, through the roof. Exactly. So I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, ugh, there's just I wish I wish Amber or, or Rose were here with us to at least talk about the abortion thing. I mean, I don't think they would say anything different than what you and I would say, but God. it's just more. It's just better to have a female perspective on the air with that. But because right, here, here's yeah. the thing, guys, and I'm, I've always been a guy that's like, oh, why can't I say this? Because I'm a dude. First thing we need to do as 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 men on this issue is shut the. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know about that. I don't know. Well, no, no, no. Go let, ahead. Let me, Sorry. Let me, go let ahead. Me finish. Go ahead. First thing you need to do is shut the fuck up and listen. Okay, listen to what they're saying, especially if you've never really thought of abortion before. Okay. The second thing you need to do is take some action make sure their their autonomy is protected exactly you get what i'm saying and that's why and i think the action like the requirement of action means that we can't shut the up right like right right like to to a certain extent like i get i get what you're saying like and so we were talking about this in my class i had like trying to give the students like a discussion day right after we were done with the star test and one of the classes kind of want obviously wanted to talk about you know the whole Roe v. Wade stuff and you're a legend, so so you're a legend. Keep going. So well, and so you know, one of the guys was essentially one of the young men in my class was saying kind of what you're saying, like I don't, my opinion doesn't matter. I shouldn't, we shouldn't say anything. We should just kind of shut up. And I was like, look, like that's I hear you, and I think that's a considerate perspective. But at the same time, like your opinion does matter, like and be kind of exactly what you're saying, Thomas is like because we have to do things about it we have to do something about it use our position use your power or whatever right uh and so just like when we were talking about with the george floyd movement and like different groups of people being able to say you know their respective messages and the whole white listens to white sort of thing right or like we, right, you right, want right, right you know you want people in power you want rich people to take your side to a certain extent so they can use that power to benefit 
whatever issue you're con- you're concerned about, right? And so, like yes. as men living in yeah. a patriarch patriarchal society, like men have to do something about it. Like right, right? We're like yeah. we're responsible to do things about it. So we have to have opinions on it. <laughs> like, but at the same time, like I agree, maybe our opinions don't matter as much or don't hold as much weight or validity as those of the women's because we're, that's who we're talking about, right? We're talking about them, but we right. don't have no opinion, right? Like we have right, something. Right, right, right. So, I, so when I say, yeah. sorry, keep going. I no, didn't that's, wanna, I, that's just, you, that's you just had, how I feel. You had a hell of a sermon going, man. <laughs> you have like gospel stuff going on. I'll come back I'll, in post. I'll just be like, yes. Yes, my brother. Yes, it'll be it'll be great, and then we'll get yelled at. It'd be it'll be a good time. Um, when I said shut the fuck up, I didn't mean that was all you're doing. That's just step one, so women could be heard. Yeah. Step two is using your power and doing what Sosa say. I it, women do have to be heard. I hundred percent agree with you on that, and yeah. that does require a, 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 a an amount yeah. first of recognition by men that like you know quit mansplaining. Right. Your voice isn't the most important voice all the time right like get over it there you go um that, that, that's what i meant by shut yeah. the fuck up. But like we there's a lot of things as men we don't understand uh about things like abortion because you know we're not we're yeah. not the people bearing the, yeah. the biggest consequences of these of what's going on um in this scenario so it's important to listen and learn from the people who are so that you can get a better understanding of what the situation is. Exactly. Like you need to educate yourself, and then, then that's when you elevate. That's when you use your power to, uh, to inspire others and rally to the cause and all the other good stuff. Exactly. No, hundred percent. So yeah, I mean, I don't. I am uh, concerned. You know, I think a lot of people. I think many people in our country right now are concerned, especially in this state. Uh, or any of the states like this state that are just trying to take us back to the dark ages. Uh, I don't know what the future holds, man. Like, I really don't. Um, the pendulum's kind of been swinging in this conservative way for a while. Like, these anti, you know, Roe v. Wade people have been around since 1973. Before, right? Like, but once the once the yeah. law came down, there was this, you know, movement that, uh, a conservative movement, like, to get rid of this. And they have been diligent and never ceasing, you know, in their, in their, their, their like goal, you know, for this, trying to achieve the goal of getting rid of it. So they've been working on this for decades. Like, yeah, dude. Half a century is what we're talking about. Yeah. Like you got to give it to them. Like I hate Republicans, but they are so, so much more organized and precise than yeah. the Democrats are. Like this is ridiculous. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I think it's, you know, there's a lot of reasons we could kind of go down a rabbit hole on that, but you're right. Yeah. Like you're totally right. It's uh, it's unfortunate. I don't know. So again, that's just why it's so important to vote, <laughs> and all those voter restrictions, you know, that's been going on is making that even more yeah. difficult. I forgot the numbers. I I don't have the article with me, or, or it, it this won't be in the notes. But I do remember seeing an article with the numbers of how many people were taken off the rolls or were unable to vote uh, this past election cycle, uh, and it was in the tens of thousands. It was like I don't remember yeah. the exact number, 60,000, something like that. Something ridiculous for the whole state. Well, that's just for Fort Worth, or just the whole state. It was the state, um, but that's still that's a lot. You that's know, that's a significant lot, yeah. number. So, um, that's. I wonder how many of those were actually like legitimate, which probably isn't. So what happens, kids, is there's something called voter caging, and the GOP primarily does those. I think the Democrats have done this a couple times too, though. But uh, essentially, what they do is 
they they send out a letter to your residence and it usually looks like junk mail it's it's made in to intentionally look like something you would throw away before opening because what they do is they send you a letter basically telling you to confirm that you still live there or whatnot and if you don't they mm-hmm. take you off the voter roll mm-hmm. okay and this is done basically to make sure you're still a resident of the state or whatever what it's supposed to be what happens in practice is it becomes a tool to uh target areas that would normally vote against uh a certain party mm-hmm. to give them the advantage so what republicans will do is they'll target uh areas that have demographics that historically are almost certainly democrats like in georgia this is how stacy abrams lost the election the last governor mm-hmm. governor's uh, uh, election over there is they targeted black neighborhoods and what they did was they did it in an amount of time to where by the time even if they were off the roll they didn't have time to put themselves back on the roll and still be able to vote so you had you know tens of hundreds of thousands of people not being able to vote and at the end of the day only about maybe a fifth of them were actually people who moved and no longer stayed at that residence yeah and so you're seeing this in texas too like this is becoming a popular tactic yep now and that 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 number that i threw out there and again it was just i was trying to remember off the top of my head was including um absentee ballots and was including uh, the the mail-in ballots because there are exceptions for mail-in ballots. I think it's above sixty-five or something like that. Uh, and yeah. so, like all those numbers together, were the ones that were rejected for whatever various reason. And a lot of it does have to do with addresses and like it's it's a uh, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty bad, man. Um, how bad it's getting in this state in regards to how restrictive things are getting. I mean, really, like I was like the voter ID law is kind of a violation of the civil rights act or really of, of the voting rights act of 1965. Like, and I, I'm not sure how the Supreme court, I know, cause I know they decided on this like a while ago, but I'm not sure how they, how they came to allow, uh, you know, these type of, of restrictions because that's like, that's literally what it was outlawing was like different types of random laws that you prevent people from voting, you know, like literacy tests and poll taxes and that sort of thing. And so like, you know, you, you, Everyone's allowed to vote. Period. End of story. You know, you're if you're a citizen, you can vote. Um, and so it's like I don't know having to have all these extra hoops that you well, got to jump. If through. you look at a lot of the laws throughout history, like the ones that have done good things, there's always like a small thing, small sliver to that they that they concede to the uh, let's say assholes of history. For instance, uh, the amendment that ended slavery also allowed indentured servitude uh take roe v wade um you know it only bans abort it only allows abortion up to a certain trimester Mm -hmm. you know and at that point states can make laws about it that was their little their little caveat there i think with the voter id fit uh thing there they this is obviously before they were actually watching metrics but they were like hey we need to prevent voter id uh fraud or whatever people voting twice Let's put that in there. And just like every other tool they put in there, it's been used to obstruct. Yep. Yep. 100%. So we just think universal registration needs to be like with your yeah. social security number, boom, you can vote. Yeah. That's it, should be. That's it's just, and that's easily done, especially with the technology we have today. That's like a super easy thing to, to do. Um, it's just a matter of priorities. 
So you were at the protest, uh, not on the 14th, but on the 7th, right? Downtown? Yep. In the courthouse? What was that like? That was the, the Fort Worth Week was there. They covered it. Um, and I'll, I'll put a link to that article um, in, in the show notes. But well, as someone who was there, like, what did you think? What was your experience? What- well, it was hot outside, but it was <laughs> it was interesting because, first of all, unlike the George Floyd protest, there are almost no cops out there. I was insulted. I'm like, am I not doing enough here? Because there's not. And then, you know, the, the group there, I'd actually gone to a protest in Dallas with them, I think, a week before. And so I saw them post about it in Fort Worth because I had told them where I was from when I was there. And I felt like I need to go to this because it'll be kind of rude of me to, like, tell them I'm from this area. And then not show up. Yeah. So I showed up. And there was probably about 150, 200 people there. And it was a pretty good turnout. Pretty good. Uh, we didn't march. We just kind of stayed in front of the courthouse. Gotcha. gotcha. But it was it was a good experience. Um, a lot of women got out there, told their stories. Um, we did have uh, a few prob- problematic, like, pro-life counter-protesters. But they weren't very vocal like i didn't know they were there until someone told me you go uh, them saying okay. you know That's they weird. were easily drowned out They're usually versus i think versus yesterday i think they the the photo y'all sent me it was like they were packed in this corner and they had police surrounding them like they were about to get mugged but yeah i doubt that would have been the case so what was the name um, of the organization that 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 organized it do you do you recall uh Oh, their nice. initials were PIL, but they're a socialist organization. Yeah. So yeah. It was like Party for Socialism and Liberty or something. That's the one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah I had never heard of that organization. I thought it was kind of cool as a socialist. It's like, okay, cool. Another socialist organization in the area. Sweet. Yeah. I found, I found them at a protest that I went to because the John Brown uh, gun club had posted about it. You know, a bunch of anarchists me- introducing me to socialists, which is, I think is, you know, yeah. kind of funny. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, yeah, if, you, it, if you zoom out enough on the Overton window, we're all kind of over there on the same, yeah, same area. You did have a, uh, I want to say, Millie challenge. You had a man who probably been mm, that's right. homeless too long and hadn't had access to resources and probably needed medication, but he was uh, kind of harassing the women, groping them and stuff. So I had to get, I, I spent most of my time as sort of like security, you know. Wow. Sort of just getting next to people so they wouldn't have to deal with that, walking people to their cars, which is important. If you go to protests, yeah. Um, this just some some tips because it's summertime. You know, you want to wear comfortable shoes because you don't know if you're gonna march. Um yeah. wear a mask for more reasons than just health. Um, bring water, make sure you have someone who can, you know, administer some form of medical aid. And then you want to make sure you have good security because you're not just defending yourself from potential cops or whatnot. You're going to have issues like that where you're either dealing with other people, counter pro, yeah, mm-hmm. counter protesters who are really, really gung ho about things, or you're going to be dealing with individuals who are problematic in other ways. Uh, and a lot of those cases, one of the other things you want to have is, and I should have been on this, is you know either a social worker or a mental health crisis interventionist because mm. 
you're going to get situations where calling a police officer probably is not the uh, best option to go because they're not actually trained for those types of situations. So you want to have someone who is for the the safety and well-being of everyone involved. Yeah. Um, but anyways, back to the protest. Uh, it was good. Um, there was a lot of... I saw a lot of people who were very passionate about this. I didn't see too much about too much to indicate that it was very well organized, mm. but they're getting there. It's like, it seems to me like they're a new group, you know, gotcha. or at least this chapter is a new group. Like they're, they're learning, you know? Gotcha. And so as time goes on, they're going to get better about it, obviously. Sure. Um, you know, uh, well, cool. Maybe so- use more than a, a megaphone to get there. But yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's <laughs> I I wanted to to go. We weren't able to go um, with you, and so Amber and I didn't know there was another protest yesterday. So we were talking about this off air, uh, and our neighbor uh, invited Amber and I to go. I wasn't able to go, but Amber was was super excited to go since we didn't get to go last time. So, and I think this was organized by a different organization. Um, and I don't I don't know if it was affiliated with the Democratic Party because our neighbor is affiliated with the Democratic Party in, in Fort Worth. So I don't know if this was like a more well-organized event or something, but just based on the pictures that Amber had sent, it looked like there was a lot more people there. Um, and there were counter-protesters. It looked like there was like three or four of them, and they were surrounded by like 20 bike cops to protect them from their, their anyone, I guess, getting mad about their high-resolution baby, baby fetus, you know, pictures that they were swinging around on giant large poles. Um, I don't know. So yeah, I, I'm wondering if is this it is bad. Is it bad that I was actually a little impressed? So I was like, oh, someone learned to print something out. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. They spend so much money on those things. I remember when I went to UNT like 20 years ago, that th- there would be you know once a semester that some anti-abortion organization would come and they would print these gigantic, like eight feet by eight feet, like huge you know, high resolution color images of, of like, you know, dead fetuses and stuff. And it was always, I was like, what the, what the crap, bro? Like why? Um, so I'm just not, I don't know. I feel like a lot of those anti-abortion organizations are pretty well funded, pretty well organized because they've been going at it for 50 years, right? They've got 50 years of building on this singular issue. Um, so I don't know. I'm curious if this is going to be kind of like the George Floyd thing where every weekend it gets a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, more people are coming out because I mean, the reality of the situation is nothing's going to change anytime soon. Um, and so if that lack of change invigorates more people to go, you know what? Yeah, I, w- I am going to protest this weekend. That sounds like a good idea because it took a couple of weeks. But after about three or four weeks in, like once we got to the end of June in 2020, like there was, you know, you had thousands of people out there on the street. Um, that was. I don't know. Do you, do you think do you think we're headed there again with with this issue? What do you think? <sighs> um. That's going to depend. I don't think it's going to be as big because, number one, one of the things that made those protests big was that, you know, we've had that stuff like George Floyd happen. You know, that <clears throat> happens every day, unfortunately. But yeah. the thing is, it happened during the pandemic, during lockdown, when almost everyone was at home, right? And so they were kind of forced to take a break from their regular lives and actually look at what was happening. 
and that's what got people mobilized mm-hmm. um i will say this i think this new generation of kids you know later millennials like myself and gen z um we're more active than previous generations were and that's probably going to be a good thing because for so long people have been apathetic to everything yeah that i think you are going to see a growing resurgence particularly if they do actually uh go through with what they look like they're going through and they do overturn roe v wade when that happens yeah you're going to see more of this because people don't respond to logic they respond to things that make them feel something emotionally you know i don't think it's going to be as emotional just because you don't have an actual person who you're seeing get getting victimized you're having a concept but i do think you're going to see a resurgence of protests i don't know if they're going to be as big um i think once uh, if that if that ruling does come down and it is official it might uh, yeah as big maybe will be you know kind of a little semantical but uh yeah i think i don't know but you're right. I think between now, why isn't it that big now? Well, it's because we have it hasn't actually happened for real, for real yet. Yeah. Like we're still waiting to see. So who do you think leaked it? I think I think it was done by Republicans. Yeah, def- that's what it's looking like too. It's looking like it was a yeah. conservative justice or a justice clerk, um, which yeah. makes sense if you're trying to lock it in, right? Like if you you the court is supposed to be impartial to public opinion, and so. Right. If they change for, f- between now and what whatever was written in February, uh, it looks it appears like that they're swaying to public opinion. Now I don't now, know if that matters or not, but that's kind of the argument. Here's what I think is going to happen. Okay, um, if the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade before the Senate pri- the Senate primaries in a November, not primaries, but the Senate elections in November, you're going to see this be used as a boon for Democrats. And one of two things is going to happen, either, you know, because that's going to be a really big opportunity. Either Democrats are going to use this to get their people to the polls and get them emotionally invested, and they might be able to keep their majority, or they're going to fuck it up somehow, which is just likely. Now, if they don't, what's going to happen is the Republicans are going to frame this as the liberals are trying to stop abortion again. And then you're going to have a lot more emotional voters on the Republican side showing up. And then after the Senate primaries, you're probably going to see it get overturned and there's not going to be much recourse. Whereas if if the Senate gets in there and Democratic Party is able to keep it, I don't know if they can keep the House, but if they keep the, uh, the Senate, they can actually get things in there. Um, I mean, here's the thing, like, if you just take this this two years or year and a half or whatever, yeah. isolated by itself, like, uh-huh. what have the Democrats done? Not a lot, you know? And, like, that's the thing, because they don't really have a majority. Like, people say they do, they don't. Joe Manchin's basically Republican. Yeah. Cinema's basically Republican. Yeah. Um, if you're wondering why they haven't broken the, the filibuster yet, it's because there is a way to break it with a simple majority. It's yeah. called the nuclear option. Basically, yeah. what happens is... Uh, someone challenges the procedure. It takes a simple majority to do that. And then the uh, chairman, which I think would, or the presiding uh, president of the Senate, which would be Kamala Harris, 
can simply decide that a filibuster isn't necessary, and then boom, filibusters aren't a thing. Yeah. The problem is Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema will break that process every fucking time, and there isn't a single moderate Republican that's willing to cross the aisle right now. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and and Biden's not. I mean, he could pressure. Yeah. He could say, "Hey, I think y'all should." push to get rid of the filibuster but he's not doing that either he's like not well and if you uh if you really want to get down to it i would be willing to bet that if cinema and mansion weren't there they probably got nine or ten more democrats yeah that's the willing, thing. Willing, willing to suddenly not exactly it's a, it's just to have a scapegoat if it wasn't the two of them it would be yeah. somebody else a couple of other people it's not about the two of them standing in the way of democracy. It's like literally the system is set up this way. And it's like, okay, you, yeah. you have one or two people who publicly will side with the other things just so the Democrats don't have to actually do anything. Because oh, well, that's one, the whole one more thing. Um, and this is, this is my favorite part. There is no, nothing in the Constitution. There's no law dictating how many people need to be on the Supreme Court. If nope. Joe Biden Packet. wanted to nominate like... 15 justices for the Supreme Court tomorrow. No one could fucking stop him except for the Senate. That'd be cool. That's totally not going to happen, but that would be really No, weird. no. <laughs> God. Yeah, pack it, man. Let's get, let's get 19, 19 justices. That's what Magic, FCR Magic did. 19, yeah. That's dead-ass what he did when he, they tried to obstruct him. He just like, all right, more justices. What the f*** is up? Yep. That's, that's, yeah, that's what we really need. We also need, like, a Senate whip that does their <laughs> job. Yep. Like, you, you don't see this happening on the Republican side. Do you want to know why? Because, like Jungus Jordan, Mitch McConnell, or uh, as I like to call him, Franklin, uh, is also Franklin. a vampire. Um, and everyone's afraid of that man. Yeah. Okay, so... Yeah, I don't want to get... I don't want to get cut out of Congress. We could, just, we could just end up there forever. But yes, I agree. I agree with all that. So, I, so there's just a couple of more things that I wanted to talk about before we kind of finished so that's the election stuff but regarding the state um and that you know that, that's the marching stuff but we'll, we'll see we'll continue to see what happens and maybe we'll maybe maybe next saturday we can all all of us go to the protest and talk about that next time but That'd be great um the state of texas is has had this border crisis right that we've had since the trump administration of migrants coming to the border um there has been I'm trying to remember when it was. I think it was at the end of last year. Abbott used um, like some COVID protocol to send a bunch of uh, Texas National Guard troops down to the border to deal with this quote unquote crisis. And so it was like an emergency order, meaning that like all these people, I forget the exact number. I've got it on the paper. It's like 10,000. I think it's 10,000 troops that they've sent down to the border, this has been disruptive to them and their families, essentially, because they're just having to kind of like on a whim uh, go down to the border. There's a bunch of people who tried to file for exemptions and uh, hundreds of those exemptions were declined. Uh, and so essentially now they're having to go down there. Uh, you know, this is disruptive to their lives. They get down there. And there's a great article that the Jacobin wrote that is down and below in the show notes that you can read about this. When they get down there, they're they're not doing anything because there's literally nothing for them to do that one of the guards was quoted calling them essentially like uh, glorified mall cops whenever anything happens whenever someone crosses the border or something you know that requires them to address it like happens they just call the border patrol and then the border patrol comes and handles it so the national guard 
is like literally not doing anything. And so then these, these living conditions slash working conditions have become so pitiful and dismal um, that these troops are, are forming a union. And they are, had a couple of people die over there. In the yes. Guard so we had the guy who drowned a couple of weeks ago. That made national news when he was like trying to save two migrants uh, and didn't have a flotation device. And so then he was swept away. Uh, that's super unfortunate and sucks, but that's just like a bad look. Like y'all don't even have flotation. Y'all don't have enough supplies on there for flotation devices. But there's like five other people that have committed suicide since this deployment um, down there. And so, like, things are really, really bad. Like, this is, and this is just all on Abbott. Like, you can just blame all of this on Abbott, essentially. Uh, and so, I mean, you know, unions don't have a lot of power here in our state. They're pretty weak for the most part. But anytime you see any sector of our economy unionizing, especially, like, you know, that's a good thing. And if there are any strong unions in Texas, they are law enforcement unions, right? Um, right. So, <laughs> so. Uh, I, this is something that I'm personally kind of like very interested in. There is a long history and I want to do more research on this kind of in the near future. There's a long history of organization, uh, labor organization within the ranks of the military. And it's actually been made illegal, um, to unionize in the military. If you're a full, full-time service member, like it's against the law to organize, which is super messed up actually. Um, but if you're a reserve member, which is what a lot of these people are that have been that, you know, that are part of the Texas National Guard, a lot of them are reserves. Uh, you're not a full time uh, service member. Then you do you you do have some recourse in regards to like unionizing and organizing in the workplace. So I, I highly recommend you go check out that article. It's a pretty big article, um, but it really details kind of a little bit of the history of this sort of thing. But then also, you know, like the the recourse that that they have and and that it is happening they are forming this union and they have the backing of other national unions um so i don't know that to me is a positive story in in the light of a bunch of negativity from abbott and that sort of thing all hot wheels oh i did go to a a town hall for a a beta rally too oh yeah yeah how was that Where, where 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 was it when was that it was in richardson but it was actually really, really good. Uh, obviously, bigger turnout than the protests. Um, also hot. But, uh, you know, Beto does a really, really good job of, you know, not just energizing his base. But when you listen to him talk, you know, there's a lot of a lot of substance, but a lot of passion in there, too. You know, he pointed out several things like, uh, you know, you get te- Texans so gung ho about you know pr- you know protecting people from abortion. They don't talk about the fact that oh, last year, last year alone, a uh, hundred kids died in foster care. You know mm-hmm. that's that's under Abbott's watch. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't talk about how you know social workers and teachers are quitting in droves, making you know the workload bigger for everybody else. Um, he was really good at energizing people. Uh, he did take questions and he did answer them. Uh, I know that's like a basic thing, but you don't see that from yeah. more conservative candidates. Yeah. Cause the truth is they don't really have an answer. They, they want your vote and that's about it. The thing about Beto is he's, he's the only public servant I know of that when you talk, he gives you the impression that he's really listening. It's yeah. really off putting. Like I remember when I met him, I was star truck struck. We were, we were taking a picture and, uh, 
you know, I stopped for a minute because I thought he wasn't listening. He's like, go on, I'm listening. And it, it threw me off because he wasn't running at all at that point. Yeah. He was literally, I met him at the Capitol uh, because he was he was speaking against that voter ID law that, right. that Texas passed, you know? I don't know of a single public servant that, you know, can do what Beto does. I think one of the things I like about his strategies is he's not afraid to go to most conservative places and, you know, talk to him and engage. And if you're wondering why he, why they perform so why he performed so well in the Senate election, that's why if he keeps this up. He can actually win. Yeah. I, I haven't seen any recent polls. Have you on how, how, how it's going? Uh, Cause I know a couple of months ago or like a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, it wasn't great. Like he was starting to gain a little bit on Abbott, but still had a pretty wide margin um between support for him and support for Abbott. So I hope you're right. Like I really we I mean we need Abbott out oh, of sorry. there and Beto would I'm be on great. Project 38 right now. Uh yeah it's going back and forth right now as of May 2nd. This is getting out that out it's it looks like Abbott's got a seven point lead. Okay. Um but before that in April, he was up by 11. Yeah. You know, and then before so that, he was up by eight. Okay. There's a point in March where he was only up by two. But hmm. I feel like if Beto can engage more and goes to not just the. The thing is, you got to go to your Democratic area to get. To, you know, bolster your base and get people excited about voting. But if he goes to like enemy territories, like super red districts. And starts talking with people, um, he can kill some of Abbott's support. And it, and honestly, there's enough people who are sick of Abbott where he could pull some people out. I think my prediction is the closer we get to this, the smaller Abbott's lead is going to get. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's trending in the right direction. So yeah, if he keeps putting putting it on the gas and Abbott keeps doing stuff to to kind of put his name in the mud, I think they could help. I really hope. You know, I was talking to someone about Beto this morning on social media and like they didn't know that he was for legalized marijuana. And so that's something that I'm like, I think he really needs to be putting that like on the forefront. Oh, he is. That's been like the, uh, the little bumper, the little bumper seal on, on everything he does. Like good. Last thing he'll say is, Hey, we're legalizing it. Good. Cause that's, I really think that's the one issue that most people will get around, get, you know, get behind. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I wonder when the next, if there's any other events that he's got going on here in the in the area anytime soon. Uh, I'll check. There's a couple. I know he's got a lot of block walks going on because, like, I uh, I signed up for one of them, and I've got I've been getting offers for block walks yeah. ever since. I yeah, I've I've been getting hounded by them too. I haven't volunteered this year, but uh, I did, well, you know, on a previous election cycle, and so still getting all that. Maybe as it gets closer to election day, I don't know. I'm not as like i don't know i'm not as excited or motivated by beto as i was by bernie sanders like i had no problem spending multiple hours a week volunteering for bernie bernie sanders uh, i'm not there yet for beto again maybe we'll see maybe if this race tightens up and it looks like oh you know oh he's gonna need every every body every help he can get then maybe i'll actually I'll go out start, start knocking on doors for beto um but yeah man yeah so i don't know we we've got an interesting summer ahead of us Kind of see where things go. Oh, yeah. But real quick, we were talking about it, I think, before we started recording. Fort Worth, 
mining Bitcoin. Uh, oh, Lord. What did you think of that? When you, and you just found out right before we started recording. Uh, honestly, the first thing I thought was, how did, I, how did my friend not tell me about this? Because honestly, he's kind of a Bitcoin mining uh, guru. And he doesn't shut up about this. So <laughs> I was surprised that he was that quiet. Um, I'm not surprised Fort Worth is doing it because they're trying to stay competitive as tech becomes more important. So I can see them doing this. It's also good PR. Um, yeah, it's good PR. We got our millennial mayor, right? I think it fits in line with that. Right. My moniker. concern. <laughs> this is going to sound cliche for any like i'm some anti-blockchain guy but uh, my concern is like that's a lot of power you're generating well here's the deal so i hear you on that and that is that's the that's like the boilerplate like critique now of like cryptos in right, general, right right is like the amount of energy that they that they require um my buddy i have a friend too who also mines and i sent him this and he pretty much laughed and was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is a joke. Like, the amount of their mining setup is barely a mining setup. Like, you can barely even call it that. It's like, it's like the, essentially the smallest setup that you could possibly have and call it a mining setup. Um, the amount of money or the amount of Bitcoin that it's actually going to generate for the city is, like, minuscule. Um, so it really is, like, more of a headline than anything else. But like, even yeah. though that's the case, like, I still think it's significant that you can, we haven't had any municipality in the entire country that has started kind of trending in this direction of messing around with validating to a certain extent cryptocurrencies. Uh, other countries have done sure, it like because that oh, shit just crashed, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been this past couple of this past week plus. Yeah, it's been pretty bad, which is a great time to buy if you're interested in buying <laughs> uh, while things are really low. But I mean, like you've had some countries, you've had El Salvador that tried to make it like a national currency where the, their country yeah. started mining it for, you know, for certain. Well, El Sal Salvador, uh, it's a little inside baseball, but they've been they've been kind of behind blockchain for a while. Like one of them, I have a friend who's uh, a lot more into Bitcoin mining than this. I, we were talking about him earlier. He uh, he got in early, but. You know, one of the first things these miners do, did who were trying to set up operations was that they, was they went to places like South America and South America, like El Salvador, right? That is in South America, right? I'm not just being It's stupid. a Central America, yeah. Okay, so they go to these places because they, they would offer, like, low rent and the power uh, they, were, they were charging was also a low price. And so they started flocking, which is why El Salvador made it their national currency. It's because they weren't wanting to bring more people in there to kind of build their economy off of this. Mm -hmm. And just like any other, you know, sort of commodity you're using as a, as a thing, like it's going to fluctuate with the market, just like if you're like Venezuela and you have an oil economy, for instance, or Russia for that instance, you know, for that example, the same thing. They're like petrol states. Uh, when the price of gas is, or oil is really high, then you're making all your money. When it drops, then you're, you're not. So that, you know, the same thing with crypto as with any other currency, like when crypto drops, that's going to be a problem for the, for the thing. I just think it's cool that Fort Worth is kind of being at the forefront of this, even if it is not really mining to any sort of like substantial effect. Um, I don't know. I'm, I am pro cryptos. I, here's my bias. I'll throw it out there right now. Like I, I bought into cryptos in like 2017 and I've uh, been an advocate supporter of some of them. 
However, I totally am willing to admit and understand that like there's a lot of uh, shadiness that goes on in that whole area because it's unregulated, deregulated, not regulated, not deregulated. Just there's no, you know, they're just now starting to put some regulations in place and all of that. Um, so whenever that's the case, you've got shysters out there trying to, you know, exploit people, make a quick buck, just like you do with kind of any other thing on the internet. So that's a part of it. But I do think in the same way that like the internet changed things in the 90s and we didn't know how it was going to change things like you couldn't have foresaw twitter or you know any of the other crazy you know smartphones for that example like coming in 2006 like that and like seemed a stocks, long way away the stock market was kind of like the wild wild west too when it first opened yeah. up you know yeah and so i think you know as as 10 years down the road cryptos may may actually serve some sort of societal function that is beneficial yeah. you know that we can't maybe can't foresee yet um uh, and maybe not maybe it is just going to be a big energy sink that that's you know that makes uh may, you know is environmentally damaging but here's my deal with that like what that does is it, it's the same argument that corporations constantly use for environmentalism which is like individualizing the responsibility and saying that like oh that's you would be creating a mess if you start mining bitcoin so you shouldn't do that in the same way as like you should not litter and so if you don't litter then the world won't be polluted. When in actuality, like Coca-Cola and Nestle and like whatever, all these giant corporations are just constantly yeah. polluting on scales that like, no matter how much we, you on an individual It's level, literally like six companies that yeah. are the biggest contributors of, of fucking global warming. Exactly. I'm not even kidding. Like you can count it on your hands. Exactly. And so, I mean, that's, and, you know, and so we can feel bad about it and try and correct our own personal behavior all we want, but that's actually going to be a drop in the bucket compared to like actually regulating these corporations, for instance. So I feel the it same way like, about It's not us, it's you guys, it's everybody else. Make sure you recycle. Exactly. So I don't know, that's my take too. Like if you're, you know, if you personally are mining in your home and you got your energy bill is a little high, like I think that's, yeah, that's your prerogative. You know, that's a difference. That's different than, you know, setting up server farms in the middle of nowhere and, you know, just gassing, you know, just heating up everything to to whatever. And the only people who can afford to do that are either countries or corporations. So in that instance, I agree with you. Yeah, that's a, that's an environmental issue, but that's an environmental issue that needs to be dealt with like at a systemic level, not the individual level. Sorry, that's a dumb rant. I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> I had to, I had to make that point. Ah, okay. Is that it? Is there anything else you, we, we could talk about? Uh See, I think we hit. I think we actually managed to hit them all today. Like, Yay! Let's see. We've got the we did the prop, the prop stuff. We did the solar unionizing. Obviously, crypto mining. We did the protests. We did the Fort Worth elections. Um, I think it's we it. We did the, the city council. Yeah, we we knocked it out of the park, man. Sweet. Good job, Thomas. It's always it's a pleasure. Glad we got to do this again. It's way more fun doing it. Doing it. So yeah, yeah, I missed this. It's been, it's been too long. <laughs> Let's do it again here in a couple weeks. And uh, thank you guys for listening and for joining us. 